How are we doing, everybody? Another episode of Slot Shot Podcast, the week leading up to Christmas. So uh, the boys are all over the United States. Alex is in Chicago. I'm in the West in Wyoming. Ross is back home in uh, in Boston. Always a pleasure to get the boys. I'm, uh, unfortunately, we can't be in person, but glad to be uh, giving you guys another episode. Alex, how are we doing back in Chicago? Did the snow hit? The snow has hit, and... Yeah, it's coming down a lot, which is fantastic. I'm hoping it's enough so it stays, or maybe it'll even snow on Christmas, but it seems like it's been a while since we've had a white Christmas. So, you know, the holiday spirit in me is very happy right now. Absolutely, absolutely. Glad to hear it. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think it rained last year, so <laughs> it would be a little bit of a change. Ross, just drove home. How was the drive? How's the world? Nice being home. Rocking and rolling. Uh, happy to be here, fellas. Uh, ventless drive, all's well. Uh, glad I made it. Uh, no sweat and uh, ready to rock and roll. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. So since we last talked, and uh, it's been, I think, two episodes now, but now we can re-enter the question, do the Rangers not suck after we've last talked? They did lose on Tuesday night, but since then, rattled off seven straight, most recently a uh, big one in Chicago, 7-1 defeat. Um, of the Blackhawks in a dominating performance. And if you looked at the stats, it wouldn't have said said uh, it would have said it's a little bit of a closer game than it would have looked like. But the fact is the Rangers capitalized on all of their opportunities. It was an pr- impressive performance. Shesterkin looked great stopping, uh, I think, 26 or 25 out of 26. New York Rangers, they're back. Are they back? I mean, they just beat a really gutsy, talented, and, you know, leave it all on the line Blackhawks team. So what's not to like? <laughs> <laughs> and before that, the Flyers. <laughs> right. Really, really the dregs of the league. So what? Is, is it a little is a little loosening of the schedule, or are the Rangers back? What do you think, Armdog? I mean, I think they're back. When we talked about this, like, we, we obviously questioned part of it, but I don't think any of us were uh, concerned about this team long-term. Um, and... I think this is just things starting to go their way. There's there's too much talent on this team for it not to be a top team in the league, and, and it is. Um, I think it would have been different if, like, a couple weeks ago we were sitting here saying, like, the Rangers seem like a team that you want on your schedule, and I think even when they weren't playing well, that wasn't the case. This is a really good team. They're back, and they're just really – I think we're going to look at the end of the season and, and not blink an eye at the start. Maybe it'll be some sort of storyline, but uh, – I don't know. I, th- I think this is this team is back. A little more luck. I talked about the bad shots uh, percentages last time. I think things have just adjusted, and there. I will say, like getting a win streak is huge for them because now, like, they get that energy back, right? I think bad luck can sometimes lead to like a lost season, and I don't, I don't think they were. I think they're too good for that, but uh, it can happen to teams where like bad luck. All of a sudden, you're halfway through the season, and you don't get that energy back. So. I don't know. This team's back. I, I think they are what we thought they were at the beginning of the year. No, and, and to kind of reiterate to your point, I mean, as as we like to say, and as we know, Alex is a vibes guy. The vibes seem back in that New York locker room. Uh, yes, two of those wins in that seven-game winning streak versus rough teams in uh, in Philadelphia and Chicago, but impressive wins over Golden Knights in a 5-1 victory. Beat a uh, pretty injured avalanche team in, over to, in the shootout and then knocked off the Devils and Toronto. So some some decent teams they beat there for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, I don't know. I, I was at the game on uh, uh, Saturday – Sunday night, sorry. And I, I was I was very impressed about how this team plays in their transition. Uh, they're quick. They are, they're getting their shots. They're, they're seeing east to west. And uh, 
Um, and they capitalized in that, that. I think they really did score six transition goals on Sunday versus the Blackhawks. Yes, nothing impressive. Uh, was very impressed. I, I had never seen Zabinijad actually in person. And I know it's a little bit of a, a different tangent, but I was really shocked. He's got some serious size. He's all over the ice. I really loved and was enjoying watching uh, Mika Zabinijad um, in the uh, red, white, and blue. Look at Jack Nell in the name, too. Um, no, I just been jet right. He's six three. He's thicker than you think, and he moves so well. Like seeing him in person really is uh, noticeable. So I, I think Armdog makes a good point, right? I, I don't know if we were all saying their their season's over. Um, I think it was a little bit more of uh, sort of getting the getting the troll bat signal out there to wake up our Rangers fans and, and keep our keep our listeners in in, in tune, and that's what we'll yeah. do for time here on the slot shot podcast so i think they've gotten some some better goaltending um you mentioned some of the good wins obviously you need to take care of the bad teams they did that uh including unfortunately my st louis blues that are not looking so great armor Uh, and what can you say i i think uh i think the rangers are right back in it but i'm not rushing to say that they're the hottest team in hockey or they're you know really um you know pushing those power rankings and threatening for the top right now, but they got themselves out of a little funk and you got to do that over 82. Yep. No, without a doubt. And I think uh, you got to be happy with the sense of they're able to kind of reenter that conversation of what New Jersey and Carolina were able to jump out to that kind of hot start. And and the fact is uh, New Jersey's kind of cooled off in the last few weeks, New York beating them in, in the month of December and, and they're looking to catch them and, and uh, they're, they're a point behind Pittsburgh and five behind, um, the leaders. So the Rangers, they're right in it. They're right there. Can we, can we have a quick little discussion about that? Because I'm glad you bring up the 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 Devils there. I don't – it seems like, I don't know, two weeks ago, maybe even a week ago, we'd have a very different vibe towards this division. And it's kind of flipped itself on its head at once with the Devils kind of just having a very slow – like, what, they lost seven in a row? For a team that was that had like four losses before or three losses, um, I I don't know how to think about that. Like in terms of like a, a change in a division outlook in one week, I think that's kind of crazy, and just a lot more than you'd see from like any one week. No, I mean pretty extreme pendulum swing there, right? Especially across these two teams in, in Greater New York. Um, yeah, I actually tuned in to that Devils Canes game, right? You got the Canes, that's my pick out of the Eastern Conference. And I thought it was kind of a big wake up call game for the Devils. Want to see how they responded. Uh, not great, Bob, uh, is, is really how they came out. I think they gave up a goal in the first 40 seconds. Um, they really looked like a rattled bunch, it was not ready to go in Raleigh for much of the first five to seven, eight, ten minutes. Um, found themselves in a two-goal hole pretty quickly. But, you know, they kind of adjusted and battled back. I think Ken Danico is one of my favorites. I think he's probably uh, he's probably our, our lowest hanging fruit in accessing Miles Wood and, and really, really, really getting the woodshed onto the national stage. Um, but, you know, Dano was pointing out a lot of things and talking about, you know, it's a younger team. They really struggled with their goaltending. They gave up a couple of dog shit goals um yesterday and so their goaltending's kind of um letting them down um saw uh, just a couple of head scratcher plays a guy uh, we didn't talk a lot about is uh graves i always want to call him adam graves the old ranger great but his, his first name's not adam um but uh 
this this graves on D for the Devils. You you know, he used to be with uh, Colorado, and they shipped him out um, a, around the deadline last year. I want to say, um, and you know, he had a couple of just bonehead failures. Uh, there was one sequence. I think it was ruled back on an offside, but they let they let. Who was it? Um, it was Brent Burns. They let Brent Burns come in. Thank you, Prosec. Dangle like four forwards, and the entire Devils defensive front collapsed into Burns. Everybody's puck watching, and he dishes it out to a wide open. I forget who it was um, who put it in an empty net. And the play got called back on offsides, right? But what does that say? It looks like a team that was kind of losing focus. It's getting a little bit rattled. Um, you know, we talked a lot about um, in our early in our early um, pods about starts of the season. What does that mean? How do you disqualify yourself? How does that change expectations? Um, and the Devils definitely changed the expectations for their team based on the start. Well, now we're starting to see a little bit of what the concerns were. A lot of the reasons why we thought they were kind of a fringe playoff team, and I think those expectations are still there. Like after that kind of a start, there's absolutely no excuse not to make the playoffs. They don't make the playoffs. Lindy Ruff is probably going to be fired. Um, and I, I think that they're going to get in. Uh, I think that they're going to figure it out and kind of level the ship. But there's a lot of reasons to be concerned there. Um, and, you know, I, I think they're going to get things going. They're going to get healthier in the second half of the season. They'll see the first to Palat, you know, right around the, the February timeline, which could be really when they need him to kind of unfuck themselves and get ready for the late season and push and, and really getting one of those last spots in the playoffs. So they're going to be a good one to watch. Uh, we'll definitely have our eyes on them and a lot, a lot to be worried about uh, for, for the Miles Wood and uh, New Jersey Devils faithful. Well, without a doubt, and it's funny. I mean, you brought up uh, Lindy Ruff. It's, it's not too often you see a guy go from uh, a uh, a coach of the year candidate to potentially being fired. Um, and that's how no, 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 Jack, 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 from potentially being fired to coach of the year candidate to potentially being fired in about in, about, in a span of 30 games. Like that's pretty yeah. wild. It is. It is. It's a tale of two stories. And that's, that's the exciting stuff about hockey. I mean, as we talked about a little bit with uh, Detroit last week and how the injuries have piled up, it's um, what has this done to the Iser plan? And, and does this put them you know, significantly behind schedule? I think with um, how hot New Jersey hopped out of it, I think this would be a bigger disappointment for them to not make the playoffs, but um reeling it back into kind of where this helps the Rangers is it's, it's allowing them to pick up ground in the division. And, uh, and the fact is, I mean, like you said, I think it is a pretty good pick that Carolina is going to come out of, uh, come out of this on top, maybe in this division, but if New Jersey or New York, sorry, uh, can get themselves into that two or three spot, it, that, that would, that'd be helpful for the Rangers. Couldn't agree more. Alex, you got anything on, on the Rangers before we, uh, wrap up or, or the devils uh, i just think this has become like a division not that it wasn't a division to watch but i mean everything's been tossed out the window i, I like not really but like it, it's just there's a lot to watch uh, it'll yeah. be interesting to see what happens devil's got to look for a response um just a general response to start playing better um so we'll see it, it'll be exciting though oh it's a tale of two different stories uh you know over the border in new jersey it's Things aren't as bright, but in uh, the Big Apple, the big city, things are looking brighter. So the Rangers, do they not suck? Do they suck? Uh, things are looking better for the for the, for the Rangers faithful, but uh, we'll have to keep in uh, keep watch. And I think that will be 
a exciting division race throughout the rest of the season. Moving on from the Rangers don't suck to we got a new rotation of uh, of termite of the week in the woodshed brought to you by Star Six Media. Let's lead it off with Ross. Who do we got this week for uh, for the potential termite? You know, Jack asked me about termite of the week today, just minutes before going on air, and I quickly jotted down about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven names. <laughs> um, so that goes to show you how fired up I am about our about our budding termite colony. And for those of our new listeners, you know, the, the woodshed is uh, a Miles Wood uh, tribute segment that is about Miles Wood and Miles Wood type players. Um, so we're, we're, we're building out a roster and we're nominating different candidates from across the league. And today, you know, I've got a lot of favorites on my list of seven, again, just right there at the tip of my fingertips. Um, you know, seven guys right out of the bat. Um, but I'm going a little bit off the board here with a guy named Blake Lazat. Um, now a lot of people aren't super familiar with Blake Lazat. Uh, he's on the LA Kings, um, plays a really, really gritty game at center. He's been pretty much a bottom six forward for them. Uh, You look at his career, 212 games played, 70 points. You know, those are termite numbers. You know, that's the kind of thing on paper that a lot of termites, you know, point out. And um, what what, what kind of jumps out to me was he got on my radar watching them um, in their their playoff series last year. Um, They – they dragged uh, was it uh, was it Calgary to seven games, um, and and you know nobody really gave him a chance um, as a low seed as a young team. Um, and I thought Lazat really kind of personified who who they are playing in front of Todd McClellan, their head coach, who also side note did a tremendous podcast interview with Thirty Two Thoughts, the podcast, Elliot Friedman, and Great not podcast. my favorite Jeff Merrick, but. Um, Really, really insightful interview with McClellan. But McClellan's team and the identity, like they are really all about forecheck. They're all about structure and pressure. And they're not gonna, they're not the most talented team. They've got this kind of core veteran group that is a little bit on the wrong side of it, but still very, very effective. And then they've got a big batch of young, young players coming up to fill. And Lazat is is kind of that grinder in the middle. Um, yep. You know, playing the bottom six role, um, he's heavy on on the forecheck for a smaller guy. Um, he's, you know, you watch him play. He's listed at five nine. He's probably closer to five eight. Doesn't stop him. Doesn't, doesn't stop him from pinballing around out there. Um, always throwing his body in the way of pucks into bodies on the forecheck. Um, he's just a hard player to play against. He's always in the right spots. Um, and he's just got a motor, man. Um, those mm-hmm. feet are always moving when he's on the ice and, uh, the legs feed the wolf. So in this case, uh, I guess the legs feed the colony and Blake Lazat is my termite of the week for, uh, December 22nd, 2022. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, uh, I think this won't be the, 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 this will definitely not be the last time we revisit this Kings team, especially in this segment. Um, the first thing I want to hit off of is his height. You know, obviously, uh, this is a fast, skilled pace game. The guys that you see that are a little bit smaller are usually more your skilled, fast pace guys. This, the fact is, he he knew what he needed to do to to crack into the, uh, the NHL. He's an undrafted guy, played at St. Cloud State, so you got to say usually right usually smaller guys are more skilled. Not Lazat, yeah. not Lazat. No, He's no, and that's. And that's where you got to be. That's where you got to be. Like, wow, a lot of credit to this guy. The fact is that he's been able to make a name for himself um, with the with his with his size. 
um, gives a lot of credit to him. So I, I like this pick, and I, I definitely don't think this will be the last time we're talking about the Kings and the Termites. I like the pick too. I mean, I, I think you guys nailed it with like size grinder, any small grinders. I, I think they end up being a lot of like favorite players for teams when you have a small grinder, just because it's a lot of energy out there. Um, other thing I got to say, I haven't, I, I, I haven't, I can't say I've watched them. So that's, that's my first reaction here, but that's good. And I will watch him to, to learn about this new termite nominee, but then, the other thing is from Minnesota, and I think Minnesota is probably a hotbed of termites. I like that he played <laughs> hockey there for college, um, and I don't know. That just seems like a place that would breed termites, so I'm already interested in this guy, Blake Lazat. So I like the pick. I'm excited to watch him too. The description fits exactly what you want in a termite, right? Like that. that's exactly what you're looking to hear. Um, so, yeah, great pick. We'll see. I mean, it's going to be a tough roster to crack, right? Um, you know, no, uh, your, your colony is only as strong as your weakest termite. So, yep. you know, there are going to be some tough cuts that we're going to have to make towards the end of the year. But, uh, hey, I'm going off the board. I'm going with Blake Lazat today. I like it. I like it. It's uh, it's unique because, you know, like like you said, I mean, you, you look at Miles Wood, what, he's 6'1", 6'2", 6'3". And that's just not what Lazat is. And, and you appreciate the fact that he's able to play a hard – gritty style of, of play and, and I like the pick it's a strong one we'll see if he makes uh uh makes the the final list but uh definitely a good uh good uh, competitor right there anything else to finish off on uh, Blake Lazat and the termite of the week or uh I think we'll revisit next week yeah man termites come in all shapes and sizes Perfect. it's not about that. it's not about what you're given it's what we will do. We will put some uh, some colony uh, merch. Some uh, join the uh, join the Queen's uh, Queen's crew. We'll get some merch out there in in the future. Definitely uh, some fun stuff we can do. Queen with, Miles with uh, with the termite of the week and, and the woodshed. <laughs> so that's the woodshed brought to you by Star Six Media. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Always a fun one and uh, excited to see what this roster looks like by the end of the season because it's it's going to be a brute fucking it's a brute brute force of, uh, of guys that are that are going to take it and they're going to give it to you. So uh, I like it. So moving on, this would be a, a little bit of a shorter debate club for us this week. We've got really only one topic, but it was, uh, Actually, it was we, got a second, we got a second topic, Jack. I'll, yes, I'll yes. segue the second, but you, you, yes. you lead with the first, you lead with the first. Yeah. So uh, obviously uh, Kale McCarr, best young, brightest defenseman in the league. Uh, guy's been, been ripping it up for, for Colorado ever since he's joined him uh funny plays he's kind of picks up the puck behind the net uh who was the forward that had this uh who was called for the hooking it was uh not important but uh exactly so a forward uh oh it's barzell it was barzell uh so barzell gets his stick in there a little bit and uh mccarr loses an edge and, and he falls from the looks of uh the official he calls it a penalty he calls it a hooking and and you see instantly as mccarr continues possession and is able to get back up and in one swoop uh, motion and continue on with the play. He waves off the ref immediately. He says, no, 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 get rid of that shit. That's a joke. I just fell. Um, funny enough, the ref listened to him. Uh, so it's something you don't see too often. I I think, uh, I can't remember. I think Ross brought this one to the table this week. So waving off a penalty. Do we think that's a little bit of uh, sportsmanship? Is that being, uh, you know, just take the penalty, take the minutes, take the advantage? What do we got here on this one? Alex, why don't you lead us off on waving off penalties? Yeah, so I have a take on this. Um, first thing I'll say, never going to, like, hate on somebody for doing this. I don't, like, think 
any less of Kale McCarr for doing this. Honestly, may no, I just don't think any less of him, and I, I don't have a problem with him doing that in like a regular season game. Um, I like that he got back up and continued playing. I think that should happen anyways, you know, which in hockey it does because you have delayed penalties, but it's not like where you see a soccer player trying to draw this thing. I, I like trying to continue to play, right? Play through the hook, whatever it is. The call comes great. What I have an issue with is people celebrating Kale McCarr as like the best dude ever and like, oh, what a great sportsman. And like, I get it. I get it. He did something that like hurt his team to be like a fair player. But at the same time, I'm just like, that's not how the game is. There's mistakes in officiating all the time. If you're going to take that one-man stand just to be the good guy, I don't, I don't really care. I, it doesn't make me think more of Kale McCarr. It doesn't make me think, oh, wow, this is something we should celebrate. If you want to show your kids and be like, look, he's a good sport because you want to teach him that example, fine. But I also don't think you're a bad sport for just taking a penalty. So I, to me, it, it, there's, there's, it just shouldn't be celebrated. And I, I really have no issue, or like I, no issue with the play. No issue with what he did. Fine, whatever. I don't think I we should it. be out I here in the streets. Like wow, Armdog's, Armdog's hot take is, what the hell are we debating? I'm not impressed. I get it. I get it. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm just I'm trying to be consistent with this, right? Um, I think I've gone on rants about diving, about embellishment, about officiating, about the over special teaming and the over penalties and just how annoying it's gotten to be with a lot of ticky-tack calls. That just they're, they're just they disrupt the game and they put the refs at the center of attention. And what's ironic to me about this is we talked on previous debate clubs and and on previous pods about the role of fighting in hockey. One of the big things about fighting in hockey is that it's the players regulating the game. And this is an example of the players, because I say players because Ovechkin did the same thing. And I think it was either the next night or it was soon enough after where I don't, I'm not so sure that Ovechkin like saw or, or, or witnessed what McCarr did and was influenced by that. I, I wouldn't necessarily suggest that Ovechkin was following suit, but Ovechkin did the same thing like within a day of the, of, of this event. And my stance, again, I need to be consistent, right? I hate diving. So I need to like it when players do the opposite of diving. So I need to support the guys that are waving it off. My second thing is a little bit of a wake-up call to the league that officiating is getting out of control. And the fact that the players have taken it upon themselves to do this, um, like that speaks volumes to me about, number one, the character of the guys in the league. So sorry, Alex, but I am going to say it's it's a high-character move. I think it's mm-hmm. a lot of class. And it's just it's respect for the game. Yep. Talk about, you know, respecting the game, especially in our beer league, like when we're blowing teams out, respect the game, you know, don't hot dog anybody. Don't, you know, freak out, whatever, like, unless there's something to really freak out about. And so I really like that from both Makar and Ovechkin um, waving off the refs, something that you won't see in the playoffs because for two reasons, one, special teams are too important. Any edge to win, win at all costs. Number two, a lot less ticky tack bullshit in the playoffs because it's fucking go time. So I love it. I love it, and I support it, and I need to stay consistent. So I'm, 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 I'm giving a stick tap to McCarr and a stick tap to Ovi for, uh, for that. Not for their 801st goal or you know, 212th game played. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I, you know, I think I, I think you're, you're spot on with the sense of, uh, it is a character thing, and that, that speaks to fair play and, and respect. And I think you hit the head on. Uh, you, you were perfect on that. Um, I think it's interesting, you know, I, I, you, you came after the refs a little bit and, you know, this is the fastest moving sport besides racing. Um, and if you want to call racing a sport and 
that's it, it's tough. It, it was a quick. He got his stick. You could see, you know, his stick was in a position that if it, if he lodged in, yeah, it would have been a hooking. But he just his stick was there. It was kind of placed on his shoulder, and unfortunately, just Makara lost an edge. Uh, the fun thing I, I like about it, and like we've talked about in, in review and and being able to coach his challenge, you can challenge penalties now. And you know, I think uh, I saw it actually beginning in the year in Chicago on a high stick, and it was uh, they were going to give a four minute major because the guy was bleeding, and then the Hawks challenged it, and it looked uh, like the friendly fire of his own teammate's stick. Yep, yep. And so they they took the penalty away, no four minute, and it was perfect. And so I, you know, I, I get it. I know uh, Ross is going to be critical of my statement. Mistakes are made. Uh, fastest game on earth. I, I know they're they're paid to be the best refs there there are, um, but uh, I think that's why we're seeing it as rare as we have kind of weird that it's happened twice in in the span of a week but uh when i don't um, i can't remember it ever happening before can you no no not at all not at all not at all arm dog ever seen that before in the nhl no and it happens twice right there in a span of 24 hours so very interesting a topic all about fairness in fairness i think i've got a little repressed rage about nfl officiating which we don't need to uh we don't need to blur into this Um, no we're not yet You know, to your point, Seth, right? Oh, it's great. You can review penalties. You can review everything. Fine, whatever. But just fucking get it over with, right? Quick. Like it yeah. it yeah. doesn't take forever to look at it. And um, mm-hmm. I'm back to my replay timer thing, which is not what we're here to debate. But uh, no. cool. Uh, that was debate club. Uh, I'm I'm all about it. Sif's on board. And Armor says, eh, eh, eh. I do have I do have one more thing. While I don't think like I think it's crazy to think that we should celebrate Ovi for not accepting a penalty over his 800 first goal. That's a different debate club. But one thing I will say that's a positive out of both these two and that I actually liked. These are two winners, right? I think Ovi has a career of being like a hard nosed, will blur the lines of what is mm-hmm. like fair game and not, and that's why he's so good. Part of the reason he's so good. Um, Kale McCarr obviously coming off one of the best seasons, like just a fantastic season. Um, where you can can't really do much more than he did last year. These are winners doing this, so we don't have to hear the bullshit about like, oh, these guys are soft. Like, and I don't think that. So I, I'm not saying that, you know. Um, and I'm happy we don't because these are like some of the top winning athletes in the sport right now. Good, good that it was them who did this. Um, so that's my positive. But I, I don't think we need to celebrate them as like heroes of the game for uh, not taking a penalty. I've got I've got a second debate club topic. Yep. Um, we don't need to go on and on and on forever about it, but I think it's a really interesting subject, and I, I want I want to embrace debate here. So, one of the big storylines this week was uh, John Tortorella, right? Torts, um, healthy scratching, his team's leading scorer, Kevin Hayes, who's on a 75, 76 point. Um, uh, uh, you know, he, he's trending for a 70 plus point season, leading the team in points and producing offensively. And for a team that struggles to score, towards decides to scratch his leading score. Obviously, it, controversial, obviously, something that, um, you know, you, you talk to everybody around, you know, or at least when you listen to the coverage around the Flyers, I don't think that was something that necessarily shocked anyone. Um, I think that there was kind of a steady trend of Tort saying, Hayes, you need to fucking clean this up. Hayes, you need to clean that up. Hayes, I don't like what you're doing without the puck. I don't like how you're doing this. I don't like how you're doing that. And Hayes just keeps scoring points. And Torts eventually said, I don't give a shit if you're scoring points. You're not doing it right. So debate club is not was Torts right or was Torts wrong. I noticed that Keith Yandel, uh, a member of the Philadelphia Flyers just last season, 
under a different regime um, took to his platform, right? He's, he's a pretty well-known, uh, well-known voice in the hockey community. He's uh, now part of the TNT broadcast. He's very well-known through Spitting Chicklets. And Keith Yandel takes it upon himself to kind of call that out um, and to and to bring that to a top, you know, to, to uh, a very visible level and to voice his displeasure about it because it's no secret he and Kevin Hayes are very, very close friends. Debate club. Good move backing up your boy by Yandel or sticking your nose in something that's really none of your business by Yandel. Oh. Embrace debate. I, I like that. Uh, I like the the thought of it. I, I would almost uh, propose a different debate to it, but I don't know. I think it's a little irrelevant just because Yandel's out of the league. Um, you know, yes, he is a personality on on TNT, and he's with, well within um, the reporting world of the sport. But yeah, I mean, I just it, a little bit of a non-factor to me in terms of what Yandel's words carry. You know, I think uh, obviously Yandel known for the Iron Man streak that was broken by uh, Phil the Thrill. Um, but I, I just I see it a little bit as a you know irrelevant comment um, in my opinion. Arm dog. Yeah. So this. Yeah, this is interesting. I was gonna I was gonna take the irrelevant comment too, but the reason I'm gonna back him up here and they healthy scratch Keith Yandel to end his Iron Man streak. That's how it ended. But it wasn't Tortorella as coach. No, correct, correct. It's true. It's true. But I think he's. I think he was making an organizational point about things. Um, and I, the the reason I get it is because I think people get so like. And, and this was my first reaction when I saw it. It's like, oh, this guy's. And I, I think a lot, a lot of like the tweet, the replies to, like whatever the Twitter outlets that were posting his um, critique of it. A lot of the replies were essentially like, oh, this guy's salty because like they just ended his Iron Man streak, but he was already done, right? <laughs> and that was like kind of the general consensus, right? This guy's just still salty and he's triggered. And it doesn't matter that he's a different coach. He's he's mad at the organization that they would let this happen, right? And part of me is like, yeah, he, he definitely comes across as salty because there's a clear recent like backstory to why he'd be upset about something like this, right? But the other side of me is like, what are you doing as a franchise if like that is that is a way your players think of you, right? Like and I, I don't the Iron Man thing, like I get the benching if it was warranted. I didn't watch the Flyers enough last year to know it. I do see Keith Yandel's a guy he may want to bench if you want to change the vibe. Um, because I think we all can recognize he hasn't been like a stellar defensive player. So like if you have some defensive problems, you may want to switch it up there. But also, like, what are the Flyers playing for? I'm sorry, like they're play like you need to be playing Kevin Hayes. I don't care if Tortorella thinks he's gonna have a better defensive team, like you need to be playing these guys, and it just seems like to me it speaks to like kind of just an incompetent organization at times. When you have, even if you want to trade him, right? You don't like his game. Go let him rack up points, build that. Yandel stepping up there, I think it's now his job. I I think he did a good thing because he's being talked about, and that's what he wants to do, right? Yeah, it comes across a little salty, but I think he has reason to be salty, and I have no issue with him stick, sticking up for it. I think a lot of people maybe changed their tone when they saw Keith Yandel speaking up about it because they were like, oh, this guy's salty, when in fact they actually agreed with what he was saying. So I don't know. I have no issue with him standing up here. I really I really don't. Um, it's his First off, it's his job. It's not like he's a random player coming out and doing this. Like This is what he's paid to do, discuss topics like this that people want to discuss. But also I think he was right to speak up about it. Like I think it was the, he was backed up by the situation. So I, I have no problem with it, and I think it was it was the right thing to do by him. And it's okay that he's salty. It doesn't bother me. So, I, well, I think. I, oh, go ahead, Jack. 
I, I think because uh, actually, Ross, I, before I let you go, I, I think you had an interesting comment on it. And I know you wanted to talk about whether or not Yandel's comment was relevant or not. I think it more speaks to Tortorella. And yeah, you know, it, it Torts is really the only coach in the league that would get the the news and uh, the limelight that this is receiving. And, you know, yes, I feel like Torts is probably one of the only guys that would realistically scratch and, and healthy scratch his, his leading score. But I like that, like you said, he's sending a message that, uh, you know, not not saying taking out your leading score is a successful thing, but I like the coaching message he's saying. You know, yeah, you're scoring goals for us, but what you're doing in the defensive zone has been worthless and hurting us more than what you're scoring. So I like that he is sort of sending a coach's message a little bit, uh, but because it's John Tortorella, it's just blown up a thousand because it's Tortorella. And and uh, but I, I think looking at it more as a coaching decision and trying to change uh the way Hayes is I guess been approaching the game and you know yeah Jimmy Hayes a, a Kevin Hayes sorry rest in peace Jimmy um you know he's a talented forward big size he's he's a guy that could do more on both sides of the puck and, and yes he's scoring but uh it sounded like Torts was just trying to send the message that he needs to be an all-around player so I, I think fair points all around. And I want to say this as a disclaimer. Like I, I love listening to Keith Yandel. I could listen to Keith Yandel talk and debate and analyze and poke fun at pretty much anything all the time. I always seek out his content and I really like Keith Yandel as a talking head, but this really kind of chapped my ass um, because I, I get your point arm dog. You know, now his business is getting clicks. His business is being uh, in the news. I get that. But I also I kind of look at it from the opposite side, which is let all the other talking heads express their opinions on this. Yandel's a little too close to the situation. Like it's no joke that he's like like best friends with Kevin Hayes. That's everybody who's plugged in knows that. And he was also in that locker room last year. Yeah. Um, I think he still carries a lot of weight with the existing team and roster. And I, I think his comments are one unnecessary. Um, two frankly unqualified because it, if you look at, like Tortorella's whole defense and I've got plenty of problems with Tortorella and I think he makes it about himself too often and there's a whole rabbit hole to go down about torts but with with Hayes it's like number one dude what's torts trying to do he's trying to build a winning culture on a losing team mm -hmm. that's tough mm -hmm. what the fuck does Keith Yandel know about a winning culture <laughs> like what did he ever want right like he, he and i'm not saying that he was a bad player and that he was the reason the team's lost but like he's always been a very popular player on very underwhelming teams and that is like like there are a lot of different personalities in the locker room and there are guys that kind of go with the flow and there are leaders that you know lead the team through battle and that you want to run through walls with they're also leaders that sneaky drag on the team and sneaky mm -hmm. separate the team from its real objectives. And I'm not going into hindsight and saying Yandel was this, you know, um, you know, negative force on all the teams he played with. That's definitely not what I'm trying to say, but it's just like, dude, shut the fuck up. Hey, I thought Hayes handled it like a complete pro. Hayes's mm -hmm. two cents were, Hey, I want to play every night. I always want to play every night. Of course I disagree. He's the coach. I'm the player move on. And I, I really liked how Hayes came across it. And I just thought that Yandel's kind of bitching about it was just unnecessary, sticking his nose into a place that he left, um, not necessarily on the best of terms, by the way. And, you know, I, I just thought it was unnecessary. And I thought it was kind of another symptom of this kind of crybaby player culture thing where 
you know, this whole line between authority, between coaches and locker rooms is really starting to blur in the NHL. Yeah. Um, You saw it in Boston. They ran Bruce Cassidy out of town despite his success because they didn't like him. Um, You know, now it's hard to argue with the results with Montgomery. But, like, there are other examples of this, and I definitely don't like the trend. And I think in this specific instance – I say bad on you, Yandel, because uh, you have so many interesting things to talk about, and you're so like just hilarious and entertaining. Like, talk about anything else. Don't just be a bobo for your buddy when <laughs> you completely don't have an objective opinion. Like, you're completely subjective about this. You're pissed at the Flyers. Your best friend just got benched. It's a low hanging fruit target, like Torts in this sense. And oh, by the way, like your comments, I disagree. Like, I don't think it's irrelevant. I think it is relevant. I think his comments and I think he still carries a lot of weight. And so I think it's kind of irresponsible for him, honestly, to 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 go out and to you know, you know make a point like that. It's not like it's not like Kevin Hayes doesn't know that Yandel has his back. Like it's not like there's a mm-hmm. lot of like pretty much everyone's unified and like critiquing torts about this. And the people on the inside are going to be the people on the inside. So I suppose unnecessary and, you know, irresponsible is another word. I maybe a little heavy handed, but I thought it was just kind of a bad look for Yandel unnecessary. And for a guy that I really, really like as a talking head and definitely had a really impressive career. I just, I, I just thought it was kind of tacky. No, I, I it, like you said, I mean, I think if Yans had said what Hayes had said, you know, I, I don't agree with the decision it is the coach's decision. That's all you need to say. And, and yes, Yandel's now in the business that he needs the clicks and he needs the views, and then that's what's going to keep him uh, keep him going in that sense. But I, I think if if he had just said, you know, this is Torch's decision, I'm sure it's Torch's decision on its own. Uh, I do not agree with it. I know Kevin doesn't. But so it's Jack says. Decision. So Jack says irrelevant irrelevant quote from an irrelevant voice. Sif says, yeah, I mean it's his job. Let him let him run his mouth. And Rusty says, shame on you, Yandel. That's Thursday Night Debate Club. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Love it, as always. A little debate club with the boys. Can't get, uh, can't go wrong. A little waving off penalties. And Kevin Hayes, leading scorer in Philadelphia, scratched. Healthy scratched. Moving on. Moving on. And, yes, it's Saturday's picks. Saturday's picks. But it's the holidays. And with that being said, the NHL is taking Saturday off. So what the boys have uh, decided pre-podcast is since we're on a heater, Kida, two-week streak for the boys, 3-0. and um, And this, we said we got to continue it. We got to keep it going. We got to keep uh, the fans happy. We got to get our plays out there. So what we're going to do this week is it's going to be Saturday's picks on Friday. So the, the game slate on Friday will be this week's uh, uh, competition. We'll see what is happening in terms of the standings. Your boy. Five and one, easy money. Ross and Alex tied at four and two. It's a close race. It's still, there's still a game back. So big loss for me could tie things up real quick. Uh, but if the boys stay hot and, and stay consistent, it should be uh, an exciting race throughout the year. Getting into Saturday's picks on Friday. I'm going to lead us off. I'm going to lead us off. And what is my game going to be? It is going to be Bruins, Devils. In New Jersey, Ross, I'm taking the Bruins. All right. All right. Coming off back-to-backs. You got a tough game against Winnipeg in about 15 minutes. So I'll be watching that. Um, so I'll definitely be tuned in tomorrow. Oh, probably tuned in tomorrow night. We'll see how the Friday afternoon goes. But uh, all right, Jacko, he's on the bees at the Rock. What about you, Arm Dog? Am I, am I next or, or is Armor going third? I will let Alex go since you've been going second lately and you guys are tied. 
Alex has picked things up as of late after I getting off the leash train. I thought we had a rotation, but anyway, go ahead, Arm Dog. Yeah, I mean, we're all hot right now. I just got to say that. So I'm happy with all of our picks. What I'm going to go with here, though, it's kind of an interesting slate. I think there could be some cancellations because there's some weather coming across the U.S., so I'm a little bit interested to see how that all works. I know the Wings game has already been postponed. Um, so we'll see. But assuming all games play, I'm going to go with an underdog on the road, both teams on back-to-backs. So I feel like this will be a little interesting of a game. Could get screwed by a goaltender decision here, but that's okay. I'm going to take the Winnipeg Jets to go into Washington, D.C., take win off the caps. Um, they are underdogs, so this is a little bit of a moneymaker. But, I mean, I, you, we know. I like the Jets. I think it'll be interesting. Both both teams on back-to-backs. We'll see how that goes. Love it. Love it. Um, the God, To quote Big Daddy, the goddamn Jets keep winning. Um all right, so I've been pretty much picking chalk in here since my first, you know. Give us a good one. Give us a juicy one. You want the juice. You want the flavor. But Rusty's not a crowd pleaser, all right? So I'm sorry, listeners, all right? I'm going to the very bottom of the barrel, okay? If you've ever done uh, Dunkaroo, where your feet are held up in the air and your face goes down to the bottom of a cooler of ice to freeze your face and you pop up and shotgun a beer. You know about really getting to the bottom of that barrel, really, really getting the face down there to the very bottom, bottom, bottom of it. So I'm going to put our listeners through probably the worst viewing experience of the year. And I'm picking the Columbus Blue Jackets to go into the United Center, the UC in Chicago, and come out with a win as the worst team in the East plays the worst team in the West at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on Friday, December 23rd. That's my pick, Columbus Blue Jackets. I had a couple termites around that game I could have nominated, but I held off, um, and uh, I'm sticking with the pick. I'm going with the CBJ. CBJ is picking. Uh, folks, you're not going to want to watch this game. That's that's the first thing I'm going to put on it. It's, it's not a uh, crowd pleaser. Um, Columbus, Chicago. I had a feeling Wait, I saw that. As- watch them now. Watch them now before the trade deadline, before the rosters get fleeced. You won't be out watching these teams in the playoffs. So do a little scouting. Do a little scouting. See if there's some pieces that your team maybe wants. Check it out. Well, Check it out, listeners. Funny enough, Ross, I think, and I just was seeing it off ESPN quickly, uh, and I'm trying to look for tomorrow. I think Columbus might be the, the underdogs right now. Uh, it's a one, so they're 105. They're 105. Chicago's 115. So, hey, we'll see. Underdog, we'll baby. See. I love the pick. I was looking at this game. It was so tasty. Uh, <laughs> oh, so I'm very happy. It's a termite of a game pick, eh? Yeah. It literally yeah. is. And I didn't want to take because I really don't have faith in either of the teams. So I'm glad somebody put their neck out there. Love it. We'll see. I'm risking sinking to the bottom of the standings, but we we shall see. Let's see, quickly, just to put that into a little parlay. We're looking at plus 684, so our highest total on a parlay potential. Uh, we'll post that graphic out probably No risk, no biscuit. Yeah, no risk, no biscuit. <laughs> uh, but, no, that's another exciting Saturday's picks on Friday. Um, as we ended last week, I think we had a little victory lap, no? And I think it was within the, uh, the case of, a little harronic as he's already made his way back into the lineup. The boys thought it was going to be a quick one. Alex thought it was going to be a few weeks. Ronick's already back in the lineup. 
big little quick uh, victory rap. Uh, Ross, you got anything? I uh, just thought, I thought, you know, we watched the hit and everybody's so quick to rush. CTE, CTE, concussions, concussions. We watched the hit. His head didn't hit the ice. He got jacked up. Uh, arguably soft of him to even leave the game because he clearly wasn't diagnosed with anything. Um, and I said he'd be playing before the new year. Didn't miss a game. Uh, I think Arm Dog said he'd be out a couple months. So, suck on that. <laughs> I didn't say that. Suck let's, on that, Arm Dog. You thought a few weeks. I thought a few weeks. I few thought weeks. a few weeks, but let's relax on the soft for a guy who played the next game. It's the biggest hit of the year, okay? I think he's I think calling you soft. Eh. Eh. Oh, maybe, but that's fine. No, I <laughs> Just don't call my boys soft. <laughs> <laughs> boys, 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 boys. As we said, it is, uh, as Ross said, it's Thursday, December 22nd. This will be posted to you guys tomorrow on the 23rd. After that, Christmas, Hanukkah's wrapping up. So for everyone, have a happy holidays. Um, always a pleasure to sit down with you guys. We're going to try and give you one next week with the new year. We'll, uh, we'll figure out that schedule and we'll post that out. Rusty, Alex, any final words for the guys before the new year or before the Christmas and uh, holiday break? Set it all on my victory lap. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to our listeners. God bless. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I'll reiterate that and tell the parlay. <laughs> Get back some of that money you spent during the holidays, okay? All last last note on the parlay. Just remember, we're not experts. We like to think we're experts, but we're not financially responsible for any losses due to that parlay. Take it at your own risk. But go follow go follow Star Six Media on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, all the social media platforms. We're there. Check out all the other podcasts, EAFP, uh, JCA Sports, uh, Only Football, Big League Chicago, Three Up, Three Down. Um, and now Slot Shot Podcast, a hockey podcast. So it, it's a fun one, exciting. Um, ready to send it to the Christmas break. Everyone have a good one. Happy holidays. Stay safe with the weather. Um, and we'll talk soon, boys. CBJ. CBJ.